You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. And it's Dan. Uh, we got a late arrival from Nick Delatore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he'll be here soon. But uh, for now, I like to think that Nick is on a bender and he's just ending that bender. Yeah, you got some type of irresponsibility mm-hmm. on him, right? Yeah, 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 on yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Silk, um, you you had a, uh, it seems like a heck of a, a, heck of a day today. Uh, how's your weekend, and how was interviewing uh, or hosting Ken Griffey Jr. today? Oh man, that was that was um, surreal. The weekend. What did I do this weekend? Um, it's all everything's starting to blend together a little bit. Then, <laughs> so let me let me try to rewind my Saturday. Saturday. I'm sure you probably went to some sort of green market. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, green market Saturday. Shout out to the green market man. Got some fresh granola. Granola. Um, Hard to find good granola. I don't like the public store bought stuff. I like to get the fresh stuff. So uh, that, that's about it. Um, couldn't catch that game on the couch. Mm. I streamed it from my phone. Uh, so it was good for me to get out and enjoy the nice weather. We got a break in the weather down here in South Florida. It's kind of cool. How was your weekend? It was good. I was actually down in uh, down in Miami. Uh, one of my uh, one of my best friends uh, from my fraternity uh, is uh, got married. So this has been about two years in the making. And um, him and his wife are are both Indian. Uh, both of their parents are from India. And so this wedding was supposed to be in India in February of 2020. Uh, and so COVID canceled that. Uh, it's supposed to be in Puerto Rico earlier this year. COVID canceled that. So they're finally able to have it. Uh, I mean, this is a different level of opulence. I mean, just more bread than anybody could ever imagine. Um, they had stilt walkers. I mean, the, the wedding seemed like an EDM concert at times. I mean, they probably had... I don't know, $30,000 worth of flowers. I mean, it was the, the most extravagant wedding that, that I could ever imagine, ever hope for, uh, for, uh, for my buddy Mo. But congratulations to Mo uh, and to Usha. Uh, but I did uh, watch that game uh, with a bunch of uh, UF um, graduates that I went to school with. Uh, and boy, that was just not a, uh, not a pretty sight to see. So for everything that was beautiful all weekend, it certainly was a, an ugly Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta count the blessings in your personal life when your football team just not hitting <laughs> no all cylinders. Um, yeah, like you said, I had Ken Griffey swing by today. So, um, Players TV, which is owned by Chris mm-hmm. Paul, uh, Kyrie Irving, um, I think DeAndre three DeAndre Johnson, a few other basketball players on on this TV network. It's a streaming TV network. Uh, they had an interview set up with one of the hosts in in um, Ken Griffey. So they reached out to me about booking the studio uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was pretty exciting. Uh, they came in like Griffey was there for like three hours, man. Just great vibes. I had him on the podcast before, so to just meet yeah. him in person uh, was pretty dope. It's pretty That's dope. Awesome, man. Good time. That's awesome. Uh, so shout out to you and your endeavors. Uh, but before we get into the show today, uh, we're going to start with a friend of the show, Eric Fawcett, to talk about uh, the Gators basketball. Uh, victory over Florida State 
on Sunday, the first time that they've done that in, I believe, seven years or it might have been eight years. Uh, I think they lost seven in a row. Uh, but quick announcement, you're listening to this Tuesday morning. Uh, it, Tuesday night, uh, Corey, myself, and Nick will be speaking to the Jacksonville uh, Gator Club, which we're excited about. We appreciate the opportunity to join. Uh, it's going to be at the Mudville Grill at 3105 Beach Boulevard. Uh, they're in one of my favorite cities in America, Jacksonville, Florida. So again, the Mudville Grill uh, on Beach Boulevard. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, starts about 630. So we appreciate the opportunity to speak. I uh, look forward to meeting you guys there. Uh, but before we do that, I know Nick is just about to join us here in a minute. But Corey, let's do a brunt ad read and then let's get on with uh, with Eric. One time for the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. There you go. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, my man Greg can take care of you. 954-589-2204 or visit bruntinsurance.com on the web. Home, auto, life insurance, business insurance, renter's insurance, anything you may need insured, my man Greg can take care of you. Bruntinsurance.com. Back to you, Daniel. Shout out to Greg. Uh, Eric, it is a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it is the first time in the history of this illustrious podcast that we've had the chance to talk to you after the Gators have beat Florida State in basketball. Yeah, good news so, in the swamp, baby. <laughs> so uh, we're back to being a basketball school. Eric uh, Fawcett from Gator Country. Eric, how are you I'll doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing really well. Not only is this uh, the only time in the history of your podcast that you've gotten to to break down a Gators win over the Seminoles, but also in my writing career, I mean, four or five years I've been writing about the team. Uh, and unfortunately, I've ne- this is the first time I've gotten to, to write even about uh, them being the Seminoles. So yeah, it was uh, seven straight losses. Billy Donovan lost in his last year at Florida and then uh, six straight L's for, for Mike White, but uh, finally got one and I'm sure that felt uh, felt pretty good for him. Eric, I got the chance to, to catch the second half of the game. The first half, I was uh, flying back from Miami. Talk to us a little bit about what the Gators did. It seemed like they dominated uh, from the beginning uh, until the end, and I even saw that they went on a, a 16 uh, nothing streak at one time. Break down the game for us, and, and what is it about this Gators team that's finally able to get uh, FSU um, the L? Well, I think to kind of talk about the win, it's also kind of an overarching theme of like what's different about this team versus the last couple of years of Florida basketball. And that all starts with experience. The last couple of years, the Gators have been one of the youngest teams in the country. And when you've got a young team early in the season taking on a team like Florida State that has been one of the older teams in the country, that's really athletic, that plays great defense, uh, you've suddenly got a lot of young kids playing scared. So you look at this year's team with all these transfers, Uh, The Gators are really old. They're the 16th oldest team in the country. Uh, They Mm. were like 240th last year and the year before that when things kind of really went off the rails when they, you know, started the season as a national championship. They were 347th in the country, one of the youngest teams Mm. in the country. So, So this year is just really different than the last couple of years. Uh, really old team, really veteran team. And a lot of guys that have been through these battles, a lot of guys that have played in these big games. So, you know, you go take on a team like Florida State uh, and they're up for the challenge. And then uh, something else that's been kind of really good for Florida basketball is they have totally changed the way they play offense. Uh, after kind of most of the Mike White era, using the same kind of schemes offensively that have never totally fit the personnel, have never totally worked. Uh, suddenly he spaced it out like an NBA team going five out behind the three-point line. And that made it a lot easier to score on a team like Florida State that is so long and so athletic that they can pack the paint and use that kind of length. So, 
you know, the initial question, how do they beat Florida State? Well, you string them out and suddenly this team that's so long and athletic, uh, suddenly they can't kind of build off each other's length by all sitting with a foot in the paint. So, so Florida was able able to really stretch them out and then uh something that was you know shocking to me and everyone watching was the fact was the fact that florida dominated on the glass which is something that is normally a florida state thing and part of the reason why was again you stretch them out you play five out behind the three-point line shot goes up no one's already around the rim defensively for florida state suddenly they're 50 50 balls and you know colin castleton just wanted it more than everyone eight offensive rebounds for him and uh and then on the defensive end florida also showing some changes from what they did differently they did something called icing ball screens and when you have a ball screen on the side of the floor, what they do is they get their ball handler on the inside, on the high side of that screen and try to push everything to the sideline. And when your team like Florida state, super athletic, you don't want them getting to the middle of the floor, getting into the paint, exploding and finishing. So Florida did everything to try to keep them on the sideline, use that sideline as a second defender. And uh, you can probably tell my enthusiasm because I'm pretty enthused here because a lot of similar play from Mike White basketball over the last couple of years, things that haven't really worked at the high major level. Suddenly he's showing this ability to, to make all these changes. And suddenly you're seeing a team that really looks different than the last couple of years. Eric, that was a fantastic breakdown. Uh, some, some of which I, I understood. Um, it seems like the, the Gators <laughs> basketball team uh, was, was very balanced. There was, uh, Deruji had 15, Castleton had 15, Jones had 12, McKissick had 12, uh, Fleming had nine uh, points. Um, and then, you know, obviously Castleton dominated the boards with uh, with 16 rebounds. Uh, do you imagine moving forward, the Gators are going to be pretty balanced offensively uh, that way? Or, or do you think that that was just kind of the nature of the way that the game uh, played out on uh, on Sunday? I do, I do think this is going to be kind of the script the rest of the way. Florida doesn't have that, like that Trey man last year who just kind of ran a hundred ball screens. Their best player is probably Colin Castleton, but it, it's kind of tough when your center is your key cog offensively. That's not really someone who you give the ball to with two minutes left in a tight game and say, make something happen. So whether it's Mike White talking, whether it's been the players talking, whether it's been Colin Castleton or any of the other players, they all talk about the balance. They all talk about unselfishness. And that was also something you you saw against Florida State. Just a lot of guys willing to make that extra pass. A lot of guys that uh, are just as happy when their teammates scores when they score. So this is going to be kind of, a regular theme when you just kind of look up and down the box score and see a lot of even point totals. So this may be my last question. I'm sure I'll come up with something, but are the Gators good at basketball this year? They are good for the reasons I laid out before. And yeah. um, again, I'm tweeting out a lot of the, the stuff I'm talking about. Video wise. A lot of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Big and- trust issues. So, so here's the thing again. So I think the, the year that kind of really had a lot of people turn on Mike White was two years ago when, again, they bring in the five stars, they bring in Kerry Blackshear and things don't go very well. And there's an offense that totally doesn't fit the talent. And you just have guys that are not playing up to their potential because the scheme does not fit them. Then you go into last year and what happens? Nothing changes. He runs the same scheme, still doesn't fit the personnel and they play badly. And that, that is where, you know, when you, when you see them going back to the same things that aren't working, that's a real cause for frustration. And it was the same thing in roster building. It was the same thing in scheme. Going back to the same thing, that's frustrating. But then you go into this year, you build a roster totally differently with transfers. You bring in a totally different style of basketball player. The Gators have a lot more guys that can handle the ball than the last couple of years. They have uh, a, a number of guys who can shoot, which wasn't the case last couple of years. And then they play a different style of basketball. Like I said, finally changing some things up defensively and then just totally rehauling the offense. So I can totally understand people who don't 
trust Mike White, who don't trust the Gators based off the last couple of years. But I will tell you this, they are tangibly doing stuff differently, which was not the case last year. And uh, the fact that there are those changes, I, you know, it gives me a little bit of optimism. Well, I predicted Florida to win the game. Uh, thanks to your podcast host. Hey, welcome, him, welcome aboard, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, thanks to your podcast host, who, uh, co-host who I talked to in Jacksonville. Uh, my question was, when, when they went five out like that, well, who would that affect Collins uh, rebounding? And obviously it didn't versus FSU, but do you see that being an issue where because of Florida's offensive style, they might get beat, you know, in the future on the glass? And if not, how does that, um, you know, because if, if, if people like me who don't watch as much basketball as you are watching, you're like, well, no one's there. They're going to get beat rebounding by somebody and that's going to cost them the game. Why is that either true or not true? Well, again, when you've got five guys all behind the three-point line, uh, defenders are also going to be out there as well near the three-point line. So when a shot goes up, it's like no one's in good rebounding position. And when no one's in good rebounding position, it benefits the offense. So that's also why you saw Anthony DeRuji just like soaring in from the corner or Flanders Fleming soaring in from the corner. Like it, it kind of ben- benefits some of those athletic guys in the offensive rebounding battle. And, you know, the thing is, if Florida doesn't rebound, at least they'll be getting back in transition defense. So that was another key against uh, Florida State, who normally just kills them in transitions. I say normally because they've done it for seven straight years against the Gators uh, because of that spacing where you don't have guys hanging out, hanging out by the rim. If you do turn the ball over, if there is a long rebound, you've already got guys back. So even if they don't offensively rebound as well at times, they're still going to be better in their transition defense, which is maybe less sexy, but equally effective. And, and then did they almost out Florida state, Florida state Sunday afternoon, just in, in the way that they played them? I think the book's kind of out. And and again, one thing with Florida State, they're always so good in transition, but they're really bad in the half court. Like when things slow down and they have to run set offense, it became pretty apparent that Florida State does not have many individual creators. So I think that that'll totally be the book. I think there's teams that are going to play Florida State and not send anyone to the offensive glass. And they're all going to just run back as soon as the shot goes up and say, okay, Florida State, you can't beat us in transition. Uh, You have to try to beat us by running offense. And uh, that's not going to work super good. And I'll also say too, I mean, Florida State always, has 107 footers which is just crazy but uh it seems like these guys this year just aren't the regular kind of monsters dominating inside that that florida state has has had usually so um i do think there's a couple acc teams that are going to be pretty happy that the gators might have shown you know just how to beat them not to get too far ahead of ourselves but when you look at the way the transfer portal has kind of changed things and Typically, I think when you get to the tournament, you need, you know, either really strong point guard play or you need or you look at teams that were successful, made deep runs that they were older. Um, obviously, Florida's older this year, but they're all grad transfers or, or, or transfers that are older. Is this a team you think, obviously only two games, but a team you think that can make a run um, in March? Yeah, it's teams like this that are that are really old that, like you kind of mentioned, that that do well in March. And, well, you know, we talked about this actually earlier, Nick, while you were stuck in traffic. But this is the 16th oldest team in, in the country this year, which is totally different than than uh, the, the last couple of Mike White basketball teams. And when you look at some of the teams that, like, quote unquote, surprise, you look like Oregon State last year, you look at, you know, UCLA, some of these teams and you kind of say what's kind of in common with these teams is like they play pretty good defense and they're really old and you also kind of see a general theme with, with Florida's transfers, like Brandon McKissick from UMKC, not a good basketball team. Flanders Fleming from Charleston Southern, one of the worst teams in the, in college basketball. Uh, Boston College with CJ Felder, like Myron Jones with Penn State. Those were four teams that were not 
making damage in March because they didn't even get there. They weren't getting to postseason play. They all came and just said, we came to Florida because we want to play in March and winning is so important to us. And that's something that uh, we saw against Florida State. Again, just showing in their unselfishness, not caring if they get a bucket as long as their teammate does because they just want to win. And I think that that's kind of a, a recipe to win in, uh, in the NCAA tournament. Um, Eric, uh, so I know that the Gators rehauled their coaching staff, uh, this off season. I think that was the last time we had you on when we talked about, uh, the additions, uh, of Pastrana and, uh, um, I'm forgetting the coach's name from FAU. Um, how have they, um, fit into, to Mike White's, uh, system? How are they doing with adapting to, uh, you know, the, the players that they have on the, uh, on the team now? Uh, well, first of all, Eric Pastrana, who came over from from Oklahoma State, he's a South Florida guy. Uh, he's just been getting everyone he wants in recruiting. So, uh, I mean, we're, we'll, you know, maybe get to this on our next podcast or sometime in the offseason. But Florida's got a great 2022 class. And pretty much, you know, most of it is because Eric Pastrana is an incredible recruiter. But uh, Eric Pastrana came from Oklahoma State where they uh, they really kind of have a pragmatic head coach and, and Mike Boyd who likes to change things up offensively and, and play a lot of different styles. And I think that Pastrana has been exposed to a lot of different styles of offensive play versus, again, like we talked about earlier with Mike White, he kind of had his same staff from Louisiana Tech that all came over to Florida. So it was a lot of guys who thought similarly about how to try to score the basketball. So I think that bringing in, you know, Akeem Mistine, who's the Florida Atlantic uh, coach who came over, and then, um, and then Eric Pastrana, definitely bringing over just, again, I just feel like, when Mike White had his same assistance forever, there's probably a lot of just people thinking the same way. And he brought in guys who have been used to playing different styles. Oklahoma State runs ran really good offense last year. Um, and I think that they're, especially especially with Oklahoma State, who is running that kind of NBA style five-out stuff, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to see that influence. So uh, Mike White has always been more confident on the defensive side of the basketball. So you saw a lot of that intensity against Florida State, but you also saw an overhauled offense that looked a lot better and worked a lot better. I love it. Silk, you got any questions, my friend? No, no Matt, just I didn't watch, man. We actually got offense now, so I got to tune in, Eric. That's on me. Um, shout out to that. It was a blowout, too. I was, when, I, when I looked at the, the, the uh, timeline, I seen that big win, and I seen the guy celebrating in the locker room. I thought that was dope. Mike White had a little moment there um, and got over that Florida State hump. So shout out to that. Do you think that that was the best locker room celebration of the weekend? Oh my God. Let's get into that later. <laughs> Eric um, Gators uh, schedule coming up. I, they play, um, is it Milwaukee? I think on Wednesday. Um, uh, Mil Milwaukee on Thursday, who is sure. uh, sneaky, interesting because they've got a one and done kind of lottery pick talent um, who should be at Duke right now, but his dad is actually the coach at Milwaukee. So oh. went to play for his dad. So uh, you, uh, this, when Florida scheduled this game, it's a bye game that they're, we're probably just ready to win by 20 and uh, they still should win comfortably, but you will see a future NBA player in Patrick Baldwin Jr. Awesome. Well, Eric, uh, remind everybody, I'm sure everybody that listens already follows you on Twitter uh, and remind everybody where they can do that and where they can read your articles and pump your uh, podcast a little bit. Yeah, I know you guys have uh, a lot to talk about today, so I appreciate you still making time for some some basketball talk. Um, so uh, you can follow me at Twitter at, uh, at EFAUSET7, and then I write at Gator Country. All my articles are there. And then I also co-host the Florida Basketball Hour podcast with, uh, with Neil Blackman. So that's, uh, that's where you can get all my stuff. Hey, Eric, before you leave, I want to ask you, you're doing color commentary for uh, or you're doing commentary for a, a college up there in Alberta? 
Yeah, I got my first chance to do that. So yeah, yeah just doing color that? commentary for. Oh, it's super fun, man! I love it. Um, it's just more chances to talk basketball, and uh, that's always that's always good. I love it, man. We'll uh, stay bundled up. I'm sure the uh, the temperatures are already dipping into the uh, the negatives up there. Um, stay warm. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Appreciate that. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank All you. All right, Eric, hold it down, my dude. All right, boys. Always love talking to Eric. A uh, big friend of the the program, and, and always enjoy spending time with him. Nick, welcome, my friend. We're uh, we're glad to have you. Uh, you join. Um, I guess you were stuck. Man, in traffic. I thought we were gonna have to pop without your takes, man. I need some terrible takes. So I'm glad you can make it. I've got the best takes. <laughs> we're gonna have to lie on your behalf. Uh, well, let's get into uh, the Samford game. We're gonna talk more thematic than we're gonna actually talk about the game. But before we do that, uh, let's give our friends at uh, Home Field Apparel a quick shout out. Visit Home Field Apparel. Dot com and use promo code stadium and gal and you'll get 15 percent off of your order uh it's almost christmas time hanukkah season kwanzaa gift giving time whatever the holiday that you celebrate might be um or maybe it's you know new wardrobe season they do have uh sweaters and hoodies things of that nature check out home field apparel use promo code stadium and gale uh for the latest vintage uh wear that's amongst the most comfortable uh, that uh, that I own. So again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code stadium and Gale. The Gators sneak one out um, against the mighty Samford Bulldogs. Uh, the Gators Barely. are down at halftime, uh, end up winning 70 to 52. And if I remember the stat correctly, that is the most points an FCS team has ever scored against an FBS team. Uh, the 70 points are the most the Gators have had in a number of years. Um, but, uh, but Nick, what was it like? Um, I thought we were going to have a, a press conference with Scott Strickland after the game and not with Dan Mullen, the way it was going um, at halftime. Um, kind of had the same feeling I had in, in Columbia when I was there for South Carolina and just thinking like, what is happening? How is this happening? Um I think you probably lost a good portion of the fan base, you know, in, mm. in Columbia when, when you lost that game the way that you did. And uh, it was like the Leonardo DiCaprio gif from uh, the hot, that Hollywood movie where he's like, he like sees himself on the TV and he's pointing and they're like, yeah, no, I told you, told you this wasn't the guy. Um, Florida obviously turned it around. Uh, I don't know what was said at halftime, turned it around. Uh, it's, it's not a game that should be close. Um, FCS teams only can offer 63 scholarships. So not only do you have more talent, you're, you know, they're outgunned and outmanned. They don't even have as many players as you have. Um, not to mention the talent level. So to me, it was just, uh, just the, a disaster. I talked about yeah, last so Monday. NFL throws been thrown out there, man. There were some good throws that mm-hmm. one of the, one of those touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a Sunday throw from, from that kid. I don't even know his name. Well, from, just do it Sanford. on us, though. Like, they do Sunday throws on everybody Welch else. Welch was his last name, I believe. Um, Liam. Lee, I remember his name now, Liam, because I thought some kid named Liam is doing this to the Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give a shout-out to uh, their wide receiver. Uh, I think his first name is Montreal Washington. Uh, had a field day against the Gators. Uh, was able to put some uh, some clips on his highlight reel that if he's trying to make a, an NFL roster one day, you're going to see a lot of uh, Avery Helm and Jadarius Perkins uh, on the opposite side of that. But uh, uh, credit where credit's due, Montreal Washington and Liam Welch had a uh, 
had a fantastic day against the Christian Robinson coached Gators defense. Uh, the game was chock full of errors all across uh, from the from the beginning uh, to uh, I guess about six minutes left in the third quarter when the Gators finally took a lead and then uh, somewhat ran away with it. The run defense looked poor. Pass defense looked atrocious. Um, offense, you know, scored, I believe, on every possession but two. Uh, but outside of that, the uh, the team looked uh, like they've like they've given up. Um, and I, I never like to say the players have given up because I know that they're sacrificing their bodies, uh, but it just didn't look like a team that was mentally ready or, or mentally desired to uh, to play that game. Nick, Nick, how do you feel about Christian Robinson calling the defense now? Hmm. I think I think it was a great opportunity. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I mean, don't know that. Here, opportunities can be blown too. That's the thing. Sure thing. Um, there was one play where Florida had to burn a timeout, and I think it was on like a goal line play. And Mullen was yelling. Mullen and Robinson were they had, Florida didn't have the personnel on uh, the right personnel on. And they they were about to get a twelve man on the field penalty, and both of them ran on. They're yelling at the guys. Um, we talked to Zach Carter, talked to Mahmoud Abate about it. They said that they loved playing for C Rob. It was a fresh voice that they were all amped. They were excited for it. Um, yeah, it certainly didn't look like it, it, yeah, it didn't translate to, to play. So, um, if, if that was Christian Robinson's, um, audition, I think he fell off the stage. Um, I don't know if they'll let him get back on the stage and, and continue auditioning these next two weeks, but yeah, it certainly. He's been a P five coach for four years. <laughs> if I'm an offensive coordinator for a JV team, I might be like chomping at the bit a little bit and blushing, seeing a guy that I know. Calling defense has been a P five coach uh, of a of a not so good unit, mm-hmm. um, and I mean guys, you gotta respect those guys on the other side of the ball. I don't know who that offense coordinator is, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's been doing this longer than, than four or five years, and was probably excited to see uh, Todd Grantham's protege. He's probably excited about Todd, but <laughs> get his protege. It um yeah, that's not that's not you don't put that especially that first half. The second half they were all right. The first half you're not putting that on your uh your you know your coaching reel when you send it out to uh to try to get a job after this year or in the future. <laughs> um it, I don't know if they quit because if you say they quit, well then they unquit in the second half because the defense, you know, only allowed <laughs> no, 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 I ain't quit. I think they no, no, Dan I, said quit. Okay. Dan, Dan did, Dan did. I'm bad. I didn't say quit. I said I never liked to say that they did. I said that they didn't look like they were mentally checked into the game. So they checked in at halftime. Uh, potentially. Potentially. Nick, I don't know what happened. Sanford's not a good team, right? <laughs> Sanford was literally five and four. No, they were four and five. I'm sorry. They were not a good team either. It was just were, a couple of four and five teams trying to yeah, have it's fun. Different team, a not good Florida team, a not good Sanford team. It should be right. still a pretty yeah. large margin. Those, Listen, those, I'm not trying. I'm not taking the defending. The, the we should. We should. They here. should. They shouldn't score more than 20 points just because we got better people. Mm-hmm. And we should yeah, be just be able to bully them people around the field. Like we could have not practiced all week and should have put up a better performance than that. They, they said they, we had a good week of practice. I was like, what? what that's the second week in a row practice? they've had a good week of practice, huh? I mean, shout out to them. We got the win. Yeah. I do want to congratulate them guys on the win. Yep. But. Uh, this is a terrible football team, and that's just not a good sign with the last two games going forward. Um, I just don't foresee us going unscathed in these last two. Hey, and I so, kind of brought me a coaching board. What's up? Silk, I know that you're a big trivia guy. Uh, do you know <laughs> the only team in UF school history that scored 42 points against the Gators and a half? 
ever. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Did you know that only one time ever has an FBS team allowed an FCS team to allow 42 points in a quarter? And that was North Texas back in 2015, which was coached by a former Gators offensive, our defensive line coach. Um, he was immediately fired uh, after that game. Um, Dan Mullen was not immediately fired uh, after this game. We're on the wrong side of history a lot this year. Mm. Mm-hmm. But being on the right side of history, uh, Emory Jones uh, sets the record uh, for most yards in a game by a Florida Gators quarterback. Um, I think he ends up, I think it was 18 yards shy of breaking the pass um, yard record uh, in a game uh, for the University of Florida, but does end up with the most total yards. The Gators end up with 717 yards, uh, 10.39 yards per play on 69 plays uh, during that game. Uh, Damian Pierce, again, looked like your uh, best running back. And, um, Corey, do you want to guess how many touches he had? More or less than 10. Oh, less. You can't give him more than 10. That's crazy. Yeah, you're going to get tired. Yeah. You're going to give him some rest. It's been a rough season. He was Pro the, football. Third, the third running back into the game as well. Correct. Nick, you love trivia too. Do you know who Pro Football Focus has ranked as the number one running back in college football this year? Damian Pierce. They sure do. They sure do. Like, yeah, so shout out to Emory Jones and how, <laughs> all his stats, right? Like, I'm like that. He had a good game. He had his best game. But is that the identity of what we thought this team was going to be this year? Mm-mm. What we saw even versus Sanford? No, you thought, I mean, and, and it comes up again this week. I thought, you know, we talked about it all offseason. The, the identity of this team is going to be to run the ball, whether it's running backs because you had five um, or quarterbacks, two of them that can run. Um, you're facing a team in Missouri, who's 129th in rushing defense this Saturday. And I almost go into that fully expecting Florida to throw the ball for the first 10 plays. Um, and then ask Dan about it after the game. It says, well, they were stacking the box. And it's like, well, they're stacking the box because they can't stop a nosebleed with an entire box of Kleenex. So run the ball at those nine guys in the box. They, you they aren't stopping that? Or is it still ego stuff? I don't know, man. And uh, there's like, they, they have a, they have a decent, passing defense and everything else is terrible um and and i fully expect florida to not run into uh not to go into columbia and not to run the ball because you know they'll put eight in the box trying to stop the run which they haven't done in 10 games this year hmm. i saw the missouri running boards, back no y'all ain't bring coaching boards there's yeah, no way he goes unscathed I don't think I no, think no one way. of these two games he he, he takes it out. Just the, the trajectory oh. with what we're playing, how we're playing. Um, I know they, they they wanted to win. The players got to celebrate and do their things past weekend. And my take on that is, uh, like you got to read the room. I think reading the room starts at the top. Um, I think those guys can celebrate whatever they want to celebrate, but uh, recording and putting it on social medias is it, just not the vibes. You got to read the tone of the program. The tone of where the coach is at, DC's getting fired. You just you just let out for a, a record amount of points to a to a FCS school. But I just mm-hmm. think don't think you guys celebrate in private, but putting it out on socials and letting the leak out like that was a bit much. And I don't think that was on accident. And there's a little arrogance around that. Uh, there's just a lot of 
like weirdness, I think, with that aspect of it. But um, the way we're playing football, I don't foresee us beating um, a Florida State team that seems to be bought in, playing with a little bit of more momentum and um, just a different energy than we are. They don't look flat coming out. And then Missouri beat South Carolina this past weekend, correct? So they look like two teams that are playing better at the end of the year, and we just struggled with Sanford. So it, 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 the future's not looking bright with the season. So I brought a board a little bit. It's like short. Yeah. It's got Mario <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, let's break down uh, your board, Silk. Uh, before we do that, let's give a shout out uh, to our friends uh, over at Game Time Sidekicks, GameTimeSidekicks.com. Vacuum sealed cups, whether they're tumblers, whether they're uh, shakers for your protein, uh, whether they're they're large or small, uh, a bunch of different colleges. I think over 350 uh, different brands that you can choose from. Uh, check out GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use proto code STADIUM. Get 10% off your order. Would make a great uh, present for a, a boss or a co-worker around the holidays, uh, a son or a daughter, maybe even a, a mom or dad. Really great products. Really great um, just Viability, durability, everything else, a really great product. GameTimeSidekicks.com, promo code STADIUM. Uh, so give us your hot board, and then I got a couple names I want to talk about as well. I just got Mario right now. I do think it's okay. interesting. Um, it's like, I mean, there ain't a, real, a lot of hot names out there. I think that's the hottest name. Do I think we go get Mario? No. I think Nike can match anybody's money, and I think they got resources and in, 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 and, and the administrative support that's crazy out there. So I don't think that's an option. Um, what are you thinking, coaching wise? Um, that's a that's a great question. So I, I go back to I also think that Penn State jobs are gonna come available and and our coach may be a candidate for that. I, so that's that's something that that there's a couple things I want to say, and I've said it on the show and I'll say it again this week. Um, I think that if Dan Mullen loses one game, there's no choice. Uh, but you know, for Florida to, to let him go. I, I also think that there is a very strong chance that if there is a certain number of opportunities, including that Penn state job. And if I'm James Franklin, I get out of Penn state. Uh, this is your opportunity. If you have the chance uh, to go try something else, to go make some more money somewhere else, um, you know, Penn state, I, I think that he's always going to be the same kind of coach there. Um, I also don't think that James Franklin is an elite coach. Uh, I think that he's a pretty good recruiter. I think that he's, you know, good at developing, you know, some talent, but, um, you know, if, if the USC job is open for him, although, you know, they you might swap, be the, if, the you could give, if you could give Dan Mullins Franklin's recruiting ability, you might have a complete coach. Yes. So this is, this is, what what I think could happen. You're right. If James Franklin leaves, I see Dan Mullen and Penn State as a very obvious connection. Um, I can see, you know, some other opportunities potentially for Dan Mullen if he wants to leave that way. I don't think Dan Mullen really needs the money, although I know that obviously walking away from $12 million, you know, is a lot of money and it's generational money and everything else. Dan Mullen has made a lot of money for, for a lot of years. So I'm curious to see how important that, you know, $12 million could be, whether he says, I'll walk away and not worry about it. Um, there's a couple of names well, that – He's that, not going to walk away. He's going to make C-Rod to D.C. <laughs> yeah. And make um, him fire you, bro. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like. I just feel like he's trying to get fired, bro. There's no way that Sanford team should be putting up that many points. Yeah. I'm um, just sorry, bro. I'm not, I'm not buying that. I don't care who we got on the field. 
there's there's some names that I know a lot of people are talking about. Billy Napier uh, is one of them, the coach at Louisiana. Um, he's in his fourth season, I believe. He worked at Clemson uh, in Alabama, um, has been doing quite well at Louisiana, known as a tenacious recruiter. Um, you know, probably a guy that would have to build a completely new staff of, of folks. I think that that would probably be a requirement. Uh, you know, Dave Aranda is a guy that that's starting to pop up a lot more, the head coach at Baylor. You know, he started off, you know, pretty poorly over there, just probably based on the, the situation at hand uh, that he was dealt. Uh, but he seems to be starting to, to turn some some eyeballs, uh, including that USC job. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some other names that, that I know people are talking about. What about uh, that are, uh, that are realistic. Do, you, do you think we're a realistic opportunity for Fickle? Or do I don't you think know. Fickle would leave to go anywhere besides like <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, Luke Fickle has always been a Midwest guy, right? Right. He's an Ohio guy. Um, he's never really like explored too far out of you know that area. Let me check like his his. I mean, obviously, I know he was at Ohio State for for quite some time. You know, he's from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, you know, the job at Cincinnati pays pretty well. Um, yeah, he's been with Ohio State, Akron, Ohio State, and Cincinnati, right? Like, he's never even coached outside of the state of Ohio. Do I think it's a possibility? Maybe, but I, I don't know if, you know, his personality, his what he's looking for in a, in a school uh, in Luke Fickle match. Um, same with Mel Tucker. I don't know if Mel Tucker is a guy uh, that Florida is going to look at. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, did – Okay, at Colorado, Michigan State, uh, you know, struggled his first year. This year um, has them humming along pretty well in the college football playoff conversation. Uh, but again, a guy that's not really proven a ton uh, in terms of his CEO uh, like abilities, and that that's the question mark that I have. Is you know, so like you said, there's not a lot of great candidates out there. There's four coaches in college football that have won a national championship. One of them's Matt Brown. So I don't know who that choice is, but. At the end of the day, I was having this conversation with some friends while we were watching the game. You can't let the threat of somebody not being as good as what you have mean right. that there's an acceptance that what's happening now is okay. Right, right. I mean, has has that timetable dropped a little bit, especially with the playoff, the playoffs, not just the playoff, but I meant free agency. Uh, the way recruiting is, the port is, has that time to flip a roster? Because, I mean, Lake got fired as well. Jimmy Lake out at Washington. He got let go. Um, I think he Greg had, had, had a lot of shenanigans going on. <laughs> what, did, what did he have issue? What, what, what did you um, he had uh, he had some issues with uh, punching a player. Uh, another issue. Well, yeah, some, yeah, they got to let him go. Yeah, he had an issue. Like it was, um, it was on. It was during a game, and it was like a like a, a push to the helmet kind of punch type of thing. Uh, oh, but I think he had different. another issue of. Um, uh, some, some, some verbal or physical yeah. abuse during some games. I think that there was some some issue mounting beyond just uh, Washington's performance. Now, you know, who knows as a D.C. candidate. I don't know if Scott Strickland wants to go down that route right now with everything else, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, you know, but he's a, a fantastic defense coordinator wherever. I'm sure he'll end up at Alabama for a couple of years, but. Um, it's, it's interesting. So Miami just uh, announced that they're parting ways with Blake James. Um, AD. AD, right, right. But if you get a new AD, uh, I mean, Blake James is ready to give Manny like a lifetime contract, it seems like. So you might end up with a coach 
uh, coaching search at Miami. And I think if Mario Cristobal has an offer uh, from Miami, then that's probably where he's going to go. Um, you do. think Mario Cristobal would leave Oregon for Miami? Um, maybe. No, I mean, that is that home. Yeah, no, I get that. Nah, people, man. People, I just don't see. I think the future of college football is just infrastructure, uh, administrative support, booster support. Um, if he's trying, he could pretty much turn that thing into the Bama of the West out there. He don't have a whole lot of competition with what he's recruiting. To go to Miami and compete with uh, Bama in South Florida and everybody else right there in South Florida doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Nike and what Nike doing with Phil and all those guys in, in Oregon, it just makes more sense. I don't foresee him coming to Miami. I don't foresee him leaving Oregon to go anywhere. I think they're about to be Bama of the West. Um, other names that keep popping up, Lane Kiffin, which from a from a beat writer standpoint, would love um, that level of sarcasm and snark. But you get um, two years of fizzle out with, with Lane too. People, people keep saying like, and I'm not people. people Lane, Lane, Lane will come or, in hot and quick, and, and people will be pissed off. Out. Lane's never had a good out. defense. He's, he's always he's in two years, and then you're gonna start getting some some shenanigans. That's just what it is. Um, he is who he is. His resume is what it is. Can he play call? Yeah, but his track record has been he fizzled out pretty quick. Two years, peak. I'm out of there. I mean, that's what Dan Mullen just did. A few years of of a ball here, he kind of peaked out a little bit, in my opinion. But I, I'm not, I'm not 100 bought in on the lane. Uh, I want somebody with a little bit more stability. Yeah, it, it would be fun. Lane would be fun, but I think it would end end in like a fiery mess. Yeah, it's fun in the Mississippi school. Yeah. Um, and then another name, obviously, he's already out there. Uh, Mel Tucker. That. I think Mel Tucker could be. Um, a guy, if you're looking at recruiting, he's a guy that could get you back right recruiting in the state. Um, you said Mel Tucker? Mel Tucker from Michigan. From Michigan state. He's got an extension though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's there's ways to get around that. You know, you get, you get an extension. I, I don't know. I, there's not a, a, a real big sexy hire to go make. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if Dan Mullen has coached his last game yet. I think you probably have to win. He didn't seem like a guy today that was real worried about his job um and i mean if i had a 12 million dollar buyout i probably wouldn't be worried almost be almost be rooting for him i to get do fired it. i get a bonus I'm like what yeah that's um, nuts <laughs> like bro you know how bad i would be at work if i get fired i know i get fired i get a bonus well here's here's the other the other <laughs> thing that i think scott strickland <laughs> i was scott strickland scott strickland has to know this purpose has to know this and has to take this into account. Florida, they've already fired okay. two of the six, but Florida has six assistant coaching contracts that are up after the year. Um, right. To fill those, you either need to rehire the guys, the coaches that have gotten you to this point, or you're going to need to find people. You know, I think I might have said this when we have the de- had the defensive coordinator talk last week. Um, you're going to have to hire people to jump on to a sinking ship, and whether that's actually the case or if that's the perception you're going to be paying for that perception um so if you let if you hire dan mullen or if you leave dan mullen in his position now and go and hire new people you're probably giving them three-year contracts instead of the the normal two that these assistants get or you're paying them above market value because now they're leaving a place of security we talked about dan lanning 
um, as a guy. Mm-hmm. Why would Dan Lanning leave Georgia to come to Florida? Um, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense in, 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 for him, given what's happening at Florida and what's happening at Georgia. So you're going to pay guys above market value or give them extra long contracts. And if you're at this position with Dan Mullen in 2022, it's still $12 million to fire him. It's, it's going to be 12 if they fire him during, during the taping of the show, or if they fire him a year from now, even two years from now. I saw the money in the, in the business of it. Um, the reputation of what Florida football is is on the is on the um the judgment seat a little bit. It's mm-hmm. a it's a recruiting thing of Georgia snatching out recruits, and it's a recruiting pitch of Florida don't really care about football like that. Um, the coach is very nonchalant. They 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 cheering and celebrating wins versus Sanford. Like these guys don't really care about football. You want to come win a national title and compete for the best and compete with the best? Like come come to Georgia, come to LSU, or somewhere else. But right now. There's a reputation on the trail that these guys ain't serious about football at University of Florida. You know, I yeah, think no, that's it, just more dangerous than that money you're talking because, I mean, you are who you are on the recruiting trail, and that shit's starting to look like that. Like, we look like we don't, we're not a serious yeah. program. Silk, so, I um, wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, you know, I think of these recruits now. You know, Florida last competed for a national championship or a real threat to a national championship probably in 2009, uh, we'll say. So that was 12 years ago. These guys are – you know, they were six years old, probably not watching football. Uh, you know, Florida's really struggled, um, you know, to, to maintain that national, uh, you know, position, a chance to, you know, not only, you know, make the NFL, but compete for championships. And a lot of these players will never make the NFL. So your chance of, of convincing a lot of guys is your ability to, to play in big games that matter and, and be a program that is, you know, going to consistently, you know, put out a great product. And, and what I fear is Florida is really starting to lose their ability to be a program that, that people can say that's a, that's a school that can be a national contending winning program. Um, whether it's a commitment to the program, uh, I know they're dumping a lot of money in facilities, uh, but from what I've seen over the last 11 years uh, is a lack of commitment to football. I've seen a lack of commitment to making necessary changes when they need to be made. Uh, and what I'm now seeing is a program that's struggling uh, beyond just football. And I have a very strong feeling uh, that if Florida doesn't correct it soon, they could be in a real purgatory for, for a long time in uh, a school in the state of Florida with the amount of money and the boosters and everything else that Florida has should, should never be this long in purgatory. Yeah. I think at this point, you just got to have a sense of pride for the program. The coaches that this staff got to have a sense of pride of like, like Kirby coming in and snatching your lunch and stuffing in the locker ain't cool and okay. Cause you clearly can't outsmart them. So there's no sense of pride around the program. Um, when they're, when, when the media is, all harping on the recruiting season and the small thing that Dan's doing, that should create a reputation. Like you are what these clips are. You are what the people are saying, media are saying you are. So right now, that's the most dangerous thing. Um, I don't know how serious we are about football, and, and, and neither is the recruits. I mean, Florida right now sits in a position where they're going to not get another five-star uh, this season, which outside of Jason Marshall – there's never Last a reason season. Florida State should be out recruiting you. No, it's just no, even Miami. They, like you, I mean, when you Florida break State down hasn't the made a product, ball in about three years, and it's right, right. It's just no excuse. It. It's just no excuse. Miami, a team that you beat, or a team that is, isn't putting out draft prospects like we are. 
We just had a better product to sell these last few years, all, all the way around. And and all you see is just blown opportunities to really take a, a, a at least level up in this state a little bit. Because Bama, everybody comes here to hang out a little bit, but we had an opportunity to step up with this logo and do some things. But we just blown it by being not serious about everything. Yep. And now Florida has lost Julian Humphrey to Georgia, uh, Shamar James to Georgia, uh, and Raymond Cantrell, a, a 2023 guy, uh, to Georgia. Um, you know, those are Florida's two highly, uh, most highly rated recruits from 2021 or 2022, pardon me, and a four-star uh, top 100 guy from 2023. So uh, Florida's losing their biggest, you know, talented and, and best prospects to their biggest rival. Um, and, and they're not doing anything about it. Uh, the lack of development is, is effervescent. Um, when you talk about, uh, you know, Florida across the board, uh, they're not able to recruit. Uh, yes, they're able to get some guys out of the transfer portal. And I, I really wonder if the transfer portal wasn't a thing, how bad would Florida be right now? You know, mm. um, that's a, it's a, when you think of playmakers are not part when you, when you think of the, the depth guys and the quality guys at defensive tackle, um, you know, at, at corner, uh, you know, if the Gators are held together by transfer portal that if it didn't exist, they would be atrocious. Yeah, but that's almost not fair because like it is, it is a it is no, a no. I, well, I get that, but I'm yeah. just saying in general. Um, but like if this recruiting class, so if you're sticking with Dan Mullen this year, this recruiting class coming in isn't going to help you a ton. Um, are you almost saying then if you're the AD, hey, we've got to stick with him for two years to get like another class in? And and if you're looking what? at this class, you're gonna to have to hold on. There's hold no on class, hope to hitting, there's no to class hitting. worth just, just getting your reputation and just setting your program back more and more. Like there's no care in, in any of these classes that important. I um, I don't know. And obviously we don't have a recruit committed that important for us. No. Um, uh, but I don't know that necessarily that Scott Strickland's there yet. So, like, I think if Florida goes out... We're working? And, and, and <laughs> if, if Florida goes yeah, out... I know he's not there. I mean, he's not on Twitter. <laughs> um, I, I see him every Saturday. Um, I, if, if, if Florida goes out and handles business Saturday, let's say they win these next two games 42-7, um, I think Dan Mullen's back. I don't know yeah, if Scott Strickland's there. Wins. Although I'm sitting there I agree I'm watching the game Saturday and I'm thinking like if, if South Carolina didn't open your eyes, like this is, this is, this is someone's holding your eyes open, you know, against well, your I, will. And well, saying, hey, I mean, watch this. To be all honest, man, I think Scott Strickland's seat's hot a little bit too. So it's hard to judge all of that. Like how hot is Dan Mullen's seat or is he really that safe? Because like Scott, what, what does Scott, Scott, I don't know how hot Scott shit is, right? Yeah, um, we got uh, some more stuff out on Monday about Scott and the women's basketball program and all that. Yeah. Let's talk about that uh, after. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like you guys are like, you, you're done though. I'm, I'm like, done. I mean, I want to, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. said during I the game that what I saw on Saturday oh. is <laughs> what I saw on Saturday is a lack of effort from coaching to motivate this team. And I'm not going to blame players. Right, these are guys you recruited. If you can't get them ready and jazzed up to not beat the crap out of Sanford, right? You let up the most points 
in a quarter your school has ever let or pardon me in a half that your school has ever let up. And it was against a four and five FCS Sanford team. Half the table didn't even know where Sanford was, like what state it was in. Alabama. Right. I mean, if you would have told me that Florida got a record set against them by a former Bobby Batten school, 99 out of 100 people, no, 99 billion out of 1 billion people would say that was Florida State. And Florida looked like shit. I'm sorry. They looked like absolute crap on Saturday. It was embarrassing. Like it's an embarrassing before. brand of football, man. Like, I don't I don't understand how um somebody said the president came out and said that told Dan Money he's doing fine. I don't know how true that was, but bro, I cannot take this serious. I gotta go to the green market. I cannot be sitting around the weather's nice this time of year, it's November. I cannot sit around and watch a non-serious football program. Just can't do it, bro. How was it and Saturday? What, and what the was green it? market? It's yeah. nice, man. Got some granola. Uh, no, I mean, why would you, right? I mean, if you're somebody that has things that they can do, why would you choose right now to watch Florida football other than you care about your alma mater or it's like a habit? That's They're not uh, enjoyable. It's not fun. That's what I was talking to um, Matt Baker about it. And uh, the year they fired, the year they fired Willie Taggart, he said, you know, before the year, he's like, Willie's not coaching for his job. FSU's broke. They can't afford this. And, and I think he's, they set, like, record lows in attendance. And we've said this on the podcast before. These are Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. When when the stockholders start start selling their shares in the form of not buying season tickets, not showing up to games, that's when you have to go ahead and make a move. Um, there was a great crowd Friday or yeah, Saturday. Sure. They showed up late. Obviously, I mean, it was raining. It was raining from 8 a.m. till you know kickoff. Um, but it was a good crowd. Um, I don't know, but like you said, Scott. Scott might be on his own hot seat, and uh, the president's got his own thing going on. So it's just like top to bottom right now, not great. Uh, not yeah, great I mean, I'll give Dan Mullen another Redskins year Florida. if they fire Scott Strickland. I don't know if you do that. I mean, that's you know, Jim McElwain uh, without death threats might might still be here if. if Jeremy Foley hadn't stepped down. That was a guy that he, yep. that he I mean, stuck has with. Foley stepped down? Uh, it's Foley still in, still in the building. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm more mad at Scott Strickland's so employment what's at going the University. On. <laughs> I don't know right what be, what's going on. Right? I'm more upset that Scott Strickland is still employed by the University of Florida than Dan Mullen. I mean, yeah, you should because his, his like what he allowed is way more egregious, right? Um, no. Well, I'm not gonna say a lot, but well, I mean, kind of a lot. Um, yeah. Some things happened on his watch that just I don't think I don't know how he could still have a job title. Um, having him step down just like seems imminent because I don't. What is it, Alligator Army? No, just the uh, Independent Florida Alligator, the UF uh, newspaper. Man, they got something new every week. It's like a new mixtape. They're like Lil Wayne in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> they got a new uh, one every week. The Alligators putting out the drought three. Uh, <laughs> um gator zach huber i believe it's the same name writer uh that broke the story a few weeks ago uh we heard um a deafening silence um i know that he pulled his buddies 
uh, Mark Long and a few others into a private uh, meeting where he admitted that they did some, some things that were faulty, but never publicly addressed the situation. And I know that there's some question marks um, and I know that there's some investigation and I know that they're probably being advised to, to not uh, do or say anything. Uh, but Zach Huber put out an article today um, that uh, was from a former player's parent, I believe, B.B. Staples, um, the mother of former Gator player Corey Staples, um, that uh, a number of things um, that uh, Cam Newbauer was even more uh, verbally um, assaulting uh, and that uh, they was a toxic environment that was very much detailed. Um, but Strickland and um, Associate Athletic Director Linda Teeler uh, both received multiple emails from BB Staples between January and March of 2019 explain the toxic culture um, and that in the statement, Scott Strickland um, received reports about Newbauer's behavior during his first two years, but then said a uh, report stopped um, that I'm sorry, that BB Staples stopped getting responses from UF uh, because UF was putting more structure uh, around the coach. Uh, the reports did not come to a halt. Um, there has been a, a number of incidents where it seems like Scott Strickland um, understood that there was a toxic environment. Uh, and what I think is the most bewildering to me is not only after you knew this to keep him employed, um, and I understand that there's investigations and you can't necessarily just fire people on allegations alone. Uh, but there's a lot of investigation that not only during that time did you give this coach an extension, you allowed him to resign for personal reasons uh, and basically give him a uh, pat on the back and pump his tires a bit um, and say how appreciative you were of, of his commitment to the University of Florida, knowing that this happened in the back end. If all of that this is, is true. insane. Man. Yeah. That's insane to me. Sorry. If Sorry. all of no, I'm just saying if all of this stuff is true um that that's grounds in my opinion for termination um I, you 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 cannot allow for uh Can I verbal... ask you a question yeah so i got now like i'm so confused because like everybody in some shit, right mm -hmm. it feels like so who the hell in charge who gonna fire these people hmm. Well, technically, Kent Fox, UF president, uh, who he's got his own stuff going. He's on He's right got now. his own right. stuff right now. Right. So who fires um, him? From, from, <laughs> the, from the board of the board of, the, the board of trustees. Um, oh, okay. I believe uh, Ron DeSantis might have that power too, but I've got to I got to double check that. Um, but no, the, the board of trustees would would have that responsibility uh, to 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 do that. So, of uh, a top to bottom, uh, the UF athletic department is is struggling. Uh, right now. Yeah, three additional professors joined a lawsuit against UF. Uh, so Fox is is in his own uh, in his own issues right now. Um, what, what are the pressures suing about? I mean, professors. Uh, they're political Sorry. science professors who were asked to um, be paid witnesses in, I believe it was during the election and uh, about yeah, election fraud. They were being paid to because they're political science professors at the University of Florida. They would be paid to give testimony um, for lawsuits there. Florida said you cannot do that. You can't be paid. Um, so it's mm -hmm. a whole First Amendment issue now. Um, and the, Fox, uh, I think it was two weeks ago or maybe 10 days ago, 
they had a full mm-hmm. reverse course and said you you can do it you can go be paid after you know i kind of doubled down on that stance um so they're trying to uh fix it but it it you know uh, sometimes a little too late for a program that's just been like extra strict on like just recruiting and the, and the getting in and it just seems like we've been a strictly with every little thing this is like all of this is like wow to me because i just know how like um strict we play things dot i's cross mm-hmm. t so for like that to happen it's just like it's like i'm a little dumbfounded bro there's a lot going on behind closed doors it would appear yeah, um, yeah. So, so Nick, just to For add sure. some more clarity, there was a a bill uh, that was being uh, voted on. Um, I, I, pardon me, I, I believe it passed, and uh, it re- would restrict uh, some mail-in voting and uh, some in-person voting. Um, just a part of a, a Senate rule or Senate law that was passed. Three UF professors were um, asked to be paid. Um, uh, paid witnesses, um, including two professors that I actually had uh, at the CFO for shout out Sharon Austin. She was my favorite professor that I had, but um, they were invited to uh, or asked, pardon me, to uh, to provide paid testimony. UF has a policy against getting involved as paid witnesses in political issues. Uh, UF then created a panel that uh, would, uh, they reversed course. They said that they would allow them uh, to present and that they would create this new uh, board uh, that would uh, handle these cases moving forward and, and issue rulings and judgments on them. And, uh, more issues and, and more uh, backfire from those professors and, and the faculty Senate uh, about what UF is doing to potentially restrict free speech of, uh, of their employees. So, from Fox to Strickland to Mullen, uh, there's a lot of issues going down at, at Florida, and none of which are um, are particularly uh, issues that would be easy to overcome. Um, whether it's in the court of public appear uh, public uh, um, uh, appeal or or not, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're trying to like piece together all of these, you know. Uh, Legos or, or jigsaw puzzle. Um, a, a new Dan's talking about you know firing the AD. A new AD would probably want a new a new football coach. If if the president's stepping down because of heat on his job, he's going to be leaving probably next year anyway due to retirement. How old? He's not that old, is he? 60, uh, sixty-seven, I believe. Um, but it, but his goal was to bring the University of Florida to, uh, to a top five. five. Yeah, and he was a provost at Cornell, said that that was his goal. Um, he's on an expiring contract in May, and it's my understanding. Well, you let everybody's contract expire. <laughs> right, this is the expired it, contract. You, it's it's better than firing them, right? You can just say, oh, we're just yeah. not just not sending a new one. Um, Mutual parting. Yeah, Florida's going to have a lot of changes, right? I mean, that's you, Nick. You bring up a good Sometimes point. Sometimes you got to fire people. <laughs> Sometimes the shit you did is just too egregious for you to step back in his office. Right, but you, I mean, you have dominoes, right? I mean, you know, and a, a university president is going to probably want an, an athletic director, you know, that he's somewhat familiar with. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me somebody. Um, somebody got to go. Hey, yeah. Right now, everybody's just vibing, man. Only person that fell on the sword is Grantham. <laughs> Just um, yeah. Grantham and Hevesy just both uh, took the fall for UF's uh, fall from grace across the uh, across the board. No, but but no, you you, you think of it right. Um, 
you know, the athletic director probably wants to hire their own football coach. Yep. The university president wants to likely have their own athletic director, which, you know, I guess it depends on who that president is of how important a, you know, prior, prior or previous relationship is uh, with that AD, but you can imagine that they've got to have a good, strong working relationship uh, regardless of the separation between the UAA and the university. Um, you know, so you replace the AD and then you replace the president. Maybe the president doesn't like the AD. Do you then have another change and you have an issue like Vanderbilt's, you know, had over the last few years, you know, you bring in a new AD. He doesn't like the head coach you know, fires Dan Mullen, let's just say, brings in a new coach. Hey, the new school president doesn't like the AD, you know, brings in a new AD, that AD and whoever, you know, replaces Dan Mullen, they don't get along, right? So you have a, a perpetual cycle here that 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 uh, that is definitely murky over the next couple That of sounds years. like fun, Dan. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't alleviate my point that I still believe that this coaching staff should be fired. I believe the athletic director should be fired as well. They're finna get fired. Damn money gonna go out his way to make sure they fire him, bro. Like, I don't know what y'all watching. We finna get a coach, man. He's gonna make sure of it. Hmm. We about to see some egregious football. <laughs> y'all well, think y'all seen some egregious football? Like, um, okay. It's, it's gonna be cold in, in Columbia. Um, it's not, at least not like a, a, an 11 a.m. kickoff. At least that's not the case. So I want to win. I don't ever want to lose a game. I'm not that person just cheering to lose to get a new coach, right? That's never me. I want to win every opportunity we line up for. But watching this team, watching the, the coaching energy, like I'm not, I'm not believing it. Um, it's not there. I think we take another L, and I think it's going to just be very apparent um, one of these L's that it's time to go. Hmm. Uh, let's get into let's get into this. Go follow game. football scoop. That's the best advice I got for y'all. Yeah, and get yourself on flightaware.com and start tracking yeah, tracking planes for sure. Listen, just um, kick back and enjoy some Mike that's White fun. basketball. That's fun times, man. I'd rather track planes than watch. I'm not gonna do that right now. I'll watch Mike White. I'm sorry. Watch Mike White. He's got a great well, that product. is something that's something that I never thought I'd hear Silk say ever. This is the desperate time. I'm trying to be positive, man. Blanco! He's 2-0. What do you want me to do? Oh, man. Positive person, man. Blanco's going to win the SEC. He's going to bring you right back. So Let's uh, let's talk uh, prizepicks.com real quick. Use promo code SG. Uh, Maybe you are watching some other sports. Maybe you're watching MMA. Maybe you're watching boxing. Maybe you're watching NFL. Shout out to Miami Dolphins for a big win over the uh, the Ravens the other day. Um Maybe you're maybe you're watching NHL hockey. The Lightning are currently winning. Not a big deal. And uh, you want to make some picks. Maybe you want to do some uh, some in-game action. Visit PrizePicks.com. Use promo code SG. Uh, take a look at their lines um, and then make some friendly wagers on what's going on there. Um, Missouri, uh, Florida does play Missouri. Nick, what time is that game on Saturday? Four o'clock Eastern. Okay. So the Gators will go to, to beautiful Columbia, Missouri, play at three o'clock local time, four o'clock Eastern time. Uh, the Gators are playing a running back in Tyler Batty, who is only the third running back in SEC history to have four games of 200 yards rushing uh, in a game or more. Um, so the Gators will likely be um, – Dealing with that. 
Yeah, Batty has uh, 200 carries on the year for 1,239 yards, 12 touchdowns, averaging 20 carries a game, 123, almost 124 uh, per game. This dude can run it. He had 258 on 46 carries against South Carolina, ran for 121 against Georgia, 284 against Vanderbilt, ran for 306 against North Texas, ran for 231 earlier in the year against Southeast Missouri State, and he ran for 211 and two touchdowns in the season opener. He gets he gets carries. My guy, my guy just gets fed yeah. the ball. Lowest number of carries he's had uh, this year in a game was 23. Uh, so, Nick, I think, you're, I think you're – Tyler Batty gets used the way that Damian passing. Pierce – Yeah, yeah. He gets used the way Damian Pierce should get used probably. So hmm. – um, yeah, game Central Michigan, North Texas, Vanderbilt, uh, in South Carolina, all games where he gets more uh, than 200 yards. He's averaging 6.2 yards <clears throat> per carry. Um, and what I've seen teams that have far less uh, at running back do against this Florida team, uh, Florida's got to figure out a way to stop him, um, or or they will get they will get beat and beat badly. Yeah. On the other, on the other, on the on the flip side, Missouri can't stop the run. Um, they uh, are near the bottom of the SEC and near the bottom in the country in every single defensive category. Um, might be might be in store for another shootout, a running shootout on Saturday. I'm not looking forward to that. Um... Let's see what we've got. But there, there's not much that Florida has has done. When you look mm-hmm. at and you know, after I read those stats from Batty, um, there's not much that you've seen from Florida that would give you confidence to say, okay, well, uh, Florida will hold them into that you know that Georgia area of 121 yards or uh, that Boston College Tennessee area. He only had 88 versus Boston bad, College bro. 74. It's depressing football. We just look like a bad football team. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like I don't understand how we got here, bro. Like it's just like it's, it was fast. Mm-hmm. It's just seemed like we was at New York's New Year's Six Bowl. We had a, a COVID year, and then we're like the last year of McElwain again. Mm-hmm. Check check out my story. I broke it down last. Uh, it was after South Carolina. I broke it down because it didn't yeah, make did sense. Great job. It didn't make sense to me either. But then once you once once I spent I spent like four hours like going through and trying to figure everything out, which I didn't even include. Dan Mullen uh, in this game last year was fired, fined twenty twenty five thousand dollars for uh, I don't even know what they called it. We'll call it inciting a riot before halftime <laughs> when, when when Kyle Trask was hit in his opinion late on a on a hail mary before halftime. Um, then he wore the Darth, Darth Vader outfit after this game. It was Halloween. People need to lighten up. Um, but yeah, when you put everything that's happened since, no, the, we've been too light around here. If you put everything together in the last year and you put it all into like one story, put it all in one piece of paper, you're like, that's exactly how it happens. Like one thing in on top of the next, and then rolls into the next thing. Um, it's it's been quite a fall from grace, a, a quick, quick terminal velocity fall from grace. Yeah, um, and, and I don't know if there's anything that's in place to stop it. Um, I don't think that the the Florida administration, I mean, you, you've got to think that the boosters are, are those that care. Um, but what I'm seeing, Nick, is that there's people that care, but there's a lot of people that are very apathetic right now. 
Um, and I just hope that those that do have the ability to, to espouse that change are not the people that are apathetic right now. Hey, Utah is coming in game one next year. Yeah. Number one in the Pac-12. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't watch much Pac-12 football. Well, I mean, we, we were just talking about we were just talking about hiring a Pac-12 coach. Mm. Mm. Might come in with this roster. A new coach might come in with this roster and get boat raced by Utah. Fan base might have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Missouri's fighting for a bowl spot too. They're five and five right now. They have a game against Florida this week, a game against Arkansas next week. Arkansas is ranked 21 in the country. Um, you know, this might be their chance, you know. So it's not like you know, Missouri doesn't have anything to play for. They, they have just as much to play for as Florida does uh, right now. And they've got a, a coach in Eli Drinkwitz that, um, you know, has, has is recruiting pretty well, especially for Missouri standards. Uh, you know, in, in Missouri is, is a team that has figured out what their identity is. And here we are on game 11. We don't know what Florida's identity is other than not very good. Um, we're still not getting the best players the ball. We're still not uh, utilizing the running backs effectively. Um, and I, I am almost willing to bet that the Florida loses. And and I don't. I no longer think that Florida beats Florida State right now. That's right. I don't think Florida State's good, but Florida State needs to win their next two to be bowl eligible. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida just needs one of the next two. Uh, the Sanford win will count. Yep. I did see that Brett McMurphy put out his um, bowl guesses today. Um, and unfortunately, we're no longer heading to uh, to Charlotte, North Carolina. We're heading to Memphis, Tennessee mm. and the Liberty Bowl. Walking in Memphis. Um, I got some sightseeing to do in Memphis. I wouldn't mind going to Memphis. Yeah. I, um, I flew to Memphis last year. Um, to drive down to Oxford and found out that Memphis, I don't know if it's still accurate, but at the time Memphis was uh, the deadliest city in America. I no longer believe that's the case, but they, they had recently overtaken Chicago when, when I was there last uh, August. Hmm. I got out. I, I just left. I went straight to Oxford. Shout out to a Memphis. Great food in Memphis. Um, the whole river, different kind of barbecue. The, it is. Uh, it's a dry rub. Um, the Mississippi River um, is right next to Memphis. Um, so there's a little downtown boardwalk area. Uh, there is a uh, Beale Street, which is like a, uh, um, a similar, I guess, to Bourbon Street uh, there in New Orleans. Uh, a little bit. It's, it's a little bit more like Ebor than Bourbon Street. Um, but the, you know, the streets blocked off and you have more jazz music and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it gets cold in Memphis. Um, I was there for a wedding, uh, on a couple days after Christmas one year. And I believe it was a, a balmy 18 degrees outside. Uh, since so, so not definitely not a place that, uh, that I aspire to go to in December. What happened there? Yeah, uh, they got the, the MLK, they got some like, uh, civil rights, like, uh, sightseeing and historical spots like the boy MLK got shot that mm-hmm. hotel uh things like that that I would I would wouldn't mind going to see um mm-hmm. that me and the wife got for the bucket list for the kids to take uh, so I wouldn't mind going to Memphis but I'm definitely not going to this one like you know I, I can't go watch a C-Rod defense in the cold you you want to know what else they have uh this is a fun fact that I learned the other day uh they have the seventh tallest pyramid in the world and it's a Bass Pro Shop right now. <laughs> So um yeah, the Bass Pro Shop pyramids be off the chain. They're kind of big. 
Yeah, this one, um, this is actually where the Grizzlies uh, used to play uh, back in the day. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a pyramid, seventh largest in the world. Uh, what I can imagine is behind Egypt um, and maybe some some Aztec pyramids. Uh, but shout out to uh, the pyramids in Memphis. Definitely a sight I to be fishing seen. Was that like, man, shout out to fishing. Shout out to Fishy and Bass Pro. Speaking of uh, shout out to things, um, Silk, let's take us into uh, to Manscaped and then be thinking about your song of the week. I got a jingle or two in my, on my, in my, in my mind. Uh, shout out to the great folks at Brunt. Oh, not Brunt. <laughs> Wrong read. Uh, Manscaped.com is my favorite ad read. How could I forget this? The best of the best when it comes to man grooming. Be sure to use promo code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Jingle bells, jingle balls. It's holiday season. It's November. Uh, get that man in your life. The lawnmower 4.0 and keep those balls smooth as eggs all winter. Coupon code SG at checkout. Take care of them family jewels. That was uh, fantastic. I'm not sure if that was uh, ad lib or if you had uh, thought of that one before, but oh no, that's all. That's all off the hip. I freestyled that one. I There's like that one. Lil Wayne in the I'm, booth. It's never. Written I'm, I'm the Lil Wayne of Aries, Nick. In the grand uh, scheme of it all, bro. Hey, Dan Mellon football can't can't get you out of the booth. No, no, not at all. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, before Silk does this, we will be in beautiful Jacksonville. <laughs> you struggled to get the words out of your mouth there. Beautiful uh, Jacksonville. I struggled, I, I struggled to put the phrase beautiful in Jacksonville together. But I did. I am excited uh, to, to visit and hang out uh, with uh, some Gator fans and Gator alumni uh, in uh, Jacksonville uh, at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, the day you're listening to this, the 16th. Uh, we'll be at the Mudville Grill on Beach Boulevard. Uh, so check us out, um, 6.30 tomorrow, today, whenever you're listening. And Dan is doing a <laughs> not, tour. Not whenever you're listening. Dan, Dan is doing a Duval tour. If you guys are interested, mm-hmm. um, we're going to meet off of 95 in Moncrief. He's going to take us through the north side, give us a sightseeing, and then we're going to take it all the way to Jack's Beach. If I'm not mistaken, Moncrief is the place that you told us there was a, an illustrious strip club. Oh, no. Moncrief is where my grandmother lives. Oh, very lived. good. So probably not where the strip club is. No, the strip club is, you're talking about uh, Silver Fox is closed now. Oh, uh, great man, establishment. Rest in peace. I yeah, rest in peace to the Silver Fox. A couple times. Yeah, they had a rule there. You got tip, sip, or dip, Nick. Tip, sip, or dip. Okay. Tip. Sip or dip. You gotta either be tipping the girl. You're not watching. Yeah. Or just buying a drink. Tip. Mm-hmm. You got or you be sip or buying a drink, or you gotta be leaving. Yeah, this is not public television. You cannot just sit there and watch. <laughs> public television. This is not PBS. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild road, man. Um oh, it sure was. Tip, sip, not a great establishment. I was always joking. Don't ever go there if they ever bring it back. Hmm. Uh, what do I got? Is my song ready to go? Yeah. Right, we're ready. Right. Take me out of here with. Hmm. So Silent Ride, West Side Boogie. Silent West. Ride, West Side Boogie. 
I was just going to invite you in a couple of weeks. Ja Rule is going to be performing here uh, in Tampa. Where will we go? Fire Festival? Ritz? No, he's going to be performing at a place called WTR. It's like a, it's like a pool party place. Mm. Um, so, yeah. The ja Rule. chill vibes or is it like Bender vibes? Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both? Mm-hmm. What day of the week is it? A Saturday. Mm, that sounds more enticing by the moment. Yeah. To pull up, check out Ja. I am like, this is a big Murder Inc. family over here. Like, we get into our Ja Rule Shanti bag over here in this house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the invite, the invite's open. I got you. I might pull up. And I believe it's right during the Florida Florida State games. It'll be a perfect time to uh keep my mind off things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I promise you guys will be more exciting one day. Maybe. We know it has to happen from excitement to come back. Plane search. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the Old worst. in plane search. Flight aware back. I hate flight aware. Oh man. They All right, on the same time, man. See you boys tomorrow. Out of cyber. Out of my I can't lie, I'm detached, I need guidance uh, I've been dying, uh, I've been fighting uh, Got this voice in my mind, won't be quiet Silent ride home, silent ride Silent ride home, silent ride Silent ride home I got all these voices in my head, mm. Got too many bitches in my bed. Mm-hmm. I don't store the number just instead. I start scrolling through the text and look for pictures in the thread. Mm-hmm. I'm on your edge, you only banging cause it's streaming, ain't you? Ain't you? You only gang when it's convenient, ain't you? Ain't you? Ignore the grade from every teacher. I was throwing up the B while I was trying to get Jamisha. Who am I? Ooh. Out of my yeah. uh, I can't lie, I'm detached. I need guidance. Uh, I've been dying. Got this voice in my mind, won't be quiet Silent ride home, silent ride Silent ride home, silent ride Silent ride home I love the lie, I'm extra, I don't know I'm wrong But let me slide, uh, If I ain't right before I rise Tell the world I'm dead inside she got my phone, I'm petrified She read my text, I read her mind Pressing time, and dead my high Connect alive, express your mind How we should talk more, know that that's a lost war She gon' take the aux cord and let her play her thoughts for us. She gon' play them throwbacks and hold back Pretend to be lit, no cap, I need an energy shift Out of cyber, uh, out of mind, yeah. uh, I can't lie